Hello, my name is Mark Green, Mission Champion at the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And this is the TJM Thank God It's Monday podcast, where we explore the wonderful ways in which Jesus works through his people in a whole variety of jobs and sectors. In this episode, winsome wisdom for the way comes from two people who work in the search business. Joel Warren, the founder of Warren Partners and MBE, and Josh Green, um, two years into working for probably one of the biggest search agencies in the world. As you might expect, uh, the recruitment business, like many other sales-oriented businesses, has a somewhat tarnished reputation. So in this episode, amongst many other rich things, we'll be exploring the tension between truth-telling and commercial imperatives. Well, welcome to you both. As ever in the TJM podcast, you get to ask the questions too, but I get to start. So Josh, uh, let's start with you. Mm. Tell us, two years in, still smiling. Tell us about your job and what drew you into this business. Yeah, so I am part of the research division of, as you said, one of the largest um, executive search firms, so offices globally. I joined the firm seven months ago, started my career two years ago, mm -hmm. um, started my career in what's called contingent recruitment. Essentially, you um, recruit people but only get paid once you fill the role. Yeah. So it's success or, or pretty much nothing. Um, the search world is slightly different. Started um, university studying economics, felt a bit sorry for myself during university. I didn't get my... Um, first choice, had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, did a placement year as a risk analyst, essentially an Excel um, monkey for a year, realised that wasn't what um, I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a big finance person. That wasn't the case. Met or had a friend that was working for this um, recruitment firm, knew I wanted to build different skills that weren't Excel, um, probably client-facing, relationship management, didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, but joined this business doing junior recruitment for private equity and moved seven months ago. And do you see God's hand in? I mean, this is a really blue chip company that you're working for, isn't it? It is a um, brilliant company. Really, really pleased that I was able to join and enormously see God's hand, his grace in it, even just kind of equipping me with skills. I um, grew up the son of two church leaders. So all throughout my childhood, they were um, kind of not, not the biggest earners or they didn't, you know, they've not, not got great industry knowledge. In many ways, they weren't able to kind of help me when it came to my career, but actually it equipped me with brilliant skills to speak to people and present. And God really kindly has used it. And, and now I'm in a job I really enjoy um, in an industry that I want to keep running at for as long as kind of God's got it for me. And what do you like about it? I like that pretty much every day you're, you're making decisions that are influencing the bottom line of your team. So almost everything you do is contributing to how much money your team's making. I really like that. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's, me meaning, there's meaning in your work. As opposed to only getting, only really contributing when you make a placement. Making a placement 
also contrasting it to my placement year when you're, I was in a middle office function really and kind of anyone can do the job, they just need someone to do it. Yeah. It feels a little bit different, it feels more entrepreneurial. There's also a lot of what I appreciate in kind of the broader, thinking about my career more broadly is there's a lot of challenge, what's kind of spiritual challenge in it because recruitment's a really hard place to be. There's a lot of disappointments, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. And each day is, God, where are you in this? Um, opportunity each day to submit the data to him, trust him. Each day there's probably going to be something disappointing. Each day there's going to be a small win. Yeah. How do you deal with that? There's a, a lot of opportunity to, for God to grow in you and you to you kind of keep growing your own faith within it. There's yeah, a lot of challenge. Well, we'll definitely come back to some of that. Thank you. Um, Joel, give us a snapshot of your career. Joel, sorry. Ah, merci. <laughs> it's all right. We're in, we're in London. We, we can say Joel. Um, well, I read economics um, too and um, then went into the city as a corporate banker um, with Lloyd's on their graduate scheme um, and did that for 10 years and um, until I had um, started a family. And um, corporate banking... Um, and a family were not um, very conducive to going well together mm. in those days. And um, we'd also moved up to um, Cheshire, which is where I now live. And um, there weren't very many corporate bankers based up there then. Right. It's, it, it has changed now. So um, I was at home being an earth mother for five years and um, loved it. Um, and then my dad, who had run the headhunting firm, um, asked, um, had, had retired, and his partners said, would I come and cover the maternity leave of a finance director? Big mistake. Putting a banker in charge of a set of accounts. But I, um, I managed to muddle through year-end. Fortunately, um, it was to cover a maternity leave, and she came back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, they said, well, what do you think of us? And I, I really liked the environment. I liked the sort of small company. And a lot of what Josh has said, um, I liked the fact that you were making a difference to clients and to candidates. Um, and um, so they said, you know, how about setting up a banking practice? Because that's what, what you did. So I did. Um, and I did it for a couple of years, working part-time alongside being a mum. And um, at the end of it, they said, well, what about being a partner? And um, I thought, no, actually, I don't want to be a partner here. And um, so I just thought, I mean, I was in my early 30s, I just thought, oh, well, I think I'll go off and set up a headhunting firm. So I did. I mean, the naivety of it all, <laughs> but um, I did. And um, it's grown. And, um, you know, we're now, uh, we're a boutique firm. And it was all set up um, because um, around my values. Um, and um, people often say, you know, what are, what are your values? And it's, I have this, um, the core value of Warren Partners right from the beginning, and it's still true now if you asked anybody in the firm, and we've got people of all faiths and people of none. Um, it's that verse from um, Matthew chapter 7, treat others as you want to be treated. And that's been running right through it. Brilliant. Um, why did you feel the need um, to set up a firm with that particular value? Was there something about the industry that you were observing? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. what I mean, was going on in the industry yeah. at the time that made you think? So, it, well, it's, Josh knows it's not a sector that's always trumpeted for moral values, particularly probably where you started in that contingent yeah, recruitment space. Um, and you sort of in a bit of a war for, um, you know, getting fees on the doors. Um, you're not always worried about how you treat candidates. Um, there can be quite a lot of sharper elbows with colleagues. And, um, and I just sort of thought, actually, um, 
it really matters to me how people are treated. Um, it matters to me that um, the person on reception is treated the same as the chair of the board. It matters to me that we treat our suppliers the same as we treat our clients. Um, and, um, and I'd seen some examples where that wasn't the case. And I just sort of thought, no, you know, I've got to, I'm going to prove that you can. Um, Rob Parsons wrote this book called Be in, in Business Without, Succeed in Business um, Without Losing in Life. Yeah. Um, and I just love that phrase. And um, yeah. So coming just as a, a question to you, obviously, mm. you know, two years in, but you've been in a number of different places. Um, that description of the industry as, as, it, as it was then, is, what, what's it like now in terms of overall? Very similar. And frankly, it's, it, it's, not, going to, it's not going to change quickly. And I've, I was thinking about this, what are the challenges? What makes it like that? And I think probably it's because of the short-term nature of the industry and, and almost what you win this week and how well this week goes often affects how you get paid next month. And so if you waste time, and, and I've got a question for you in a moment, kind of if you're wasting time this week, treating candidates really well, and uh, that's obviously not a waste of time, um, but you only get paid for kind of what you do, all the nice stuff, you don't get paid for that. Maybe long-term there's incentives, but right now I want to close this search and I want to um, kind of spend as much time reaching out to new candidates and, do, and doing everything I can to close this search so that I get paid next month. So question to you, when you started, was that something you were willing to do, i.e. I'm happy to make less money but run what I feel is a kind of more morally sound business, if that's the right way of... Did you, did you think about it like that? Yeah, I suppose I did, actually, Josh. And that was... Um, I remember a partner in the previous firm just saying, well, now you're a headhunter, you'll never have to... Um, be sh you'll never be short of money. And I kind of thought, actually, that's not what matters to me. Um, and... Um, the way I've been paid in Warren Partners is, you know, as an, originally an owner of a business and we're now an employee-owned trust, all I've cared about is the long-term future of the business. Um, and so actually investing in people now, you know, they'd be clients in the... And they are, you know, 30 years on, they are clients in the business. And um, people who were, you know, maybe um, human resources um, managers back then and you know they were sort of involved in the process they could be CEOs now or even chairs and um, so it has been all more taking that long-term view but then I was in a different position to you um, because you know I, I came in as a partner into from being a banker I didn't mm. sort of work my, my way up through the industry and then set up the firm so I could it, it, I think it's easier if you are setting up the firm with Christian values um, than being in a firm that doesn't necessarily have that. Mm. Could you give me, you know, could you give me an example, if you like, of mm. uh, a situation which you're, or some situations where you're treating people differently than perhaps they might otherwise be treated? Yeah. Or, um, a candidate or a client or a yeah, supplier. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I usually go through all of them. So candidates, we're, we're not great at giving feedback and being really honest with candidates as an industry. And I just think you have to be. 
Um, I don't think it's fair to tell people that, you know, oh, yeah, you're the best candidate for this job and it's perfect for you. You know, if they're not going to be happy there long term, that's not great for, for the business, actually. It, you, you won't have a happy client long term. You won't have a happy candidate long term. So I don't think it's great. Um, and then clients, I think we do make promises to clients um, without um, really all the, the facts and, and what have you behind them. We're not great at sticking to deadlines. There's an industry practice which I hate, which is on top of fees, and we charge whopping fees, on top of them, the industry charges a percentage for administration costs. What's that about? I mean, does this massive fee cover your administration costs? So we don't do that. Um, and um, suppliers, I think very often, you know, suppliers, um, you, you know, they can make mistakes, can't they? Um, and we have these things, treat others as you want to be treated. So if we, we make a mistake, then we want to be given the opportunity to put it right and to, we call it, recover with style. So we do the same with our suppliers. You know, we say, right, let, try and put it right and recover with style. Um, and, you know, colleagues, the same sort of thing applies. And when you say supplies, you mean people who supply stuff to your business? Okay. Or, or stuff. So in the, when we first started, um, the, um, well, the two, two types of suppliers we've used. Um, we used to use outsourced research. Um, okay. And I, I'll give you an example about that, which isn't treating others as we want to be treated, because um, that was to do with lying. And it'd be interesting to talk about lying because I have a thing about it. But um, <laughs> but another sort of supplier we use is advertising agencies. So, you know, when in the in the days, you don't remember this, Josh, but you used to. It was so much easier when you put an advert in the Sunday Times and yeah, you've got lots is, of people, um, lots of people responding. Yeah. We don't do any of that now. Um, but um, they've made a complete mess up of this advert um, and it would have been easy to say right cutting all relationships with this agency but actually we just said to them look have you got any suggestions as to how you could recover with style and they did they came up with something and and actually that was better for our firm because longer term you know they know that you treat them well we got bumped to the front of all sorts of queues because you know and we always pay that's the other thing we always pay our bills on time um you know it might say people might say 30 days it's say 30 days and then you pay on 45 well that's not how we want to be treated so we pay our bills on 14 days, 30 days, whatever it is. Tell us um, a little bit about this trust business and the notion of uh, little things mattering. Mm, mm. Um, I think it goes way back to when I was in banking. Um, and I remember um, I was um, due to be doing Sunday school on the Sunday and it was Friday and I'd done my prep and I knew I needed paper clips. And um, so I went in, I said, I'm going to have to dash out to get some paper clips. And they said, oh, there are bags of paper clips in the stationery cupboard, just grab a box. And I said, oh, well, how much do they cost? And they said, oh, don't worry about it. And I said, oh, yeah, it's really important to me um, that I have to pay for them. And I used to do this the same if I wanted a stamp, I'd have to pay for the stamp, not put it through the franking machine. And um, it's that thing about, you know, those that are trusted in small things can be trusted in big things. And it's building that almost a muscle up mm. of, um, you know, being able to be trusted. And um, that was the, the story I was going to tell about the outsource researcher. Um, we had an, uh, one that we used to use and we found out that they were lying. Um, and we just sort of thought, actually, we can't trust them, you know, if they're lying, because, and so we had to stop the relationship with them. Um, 
that happened inside the firm? Um, trusting, yeah. So it has somebody who was messing with expenses um, and they've gone. Um, so it doesn't mean being soft, um, you know, being a, a Christian at work. It means, you know, treating people in, you know, to a certain set of standards and, um, uh, yeah. Can I ask you a quick, can I mm. pull back to one of the things you said about kind of the biblical teaching of you know, be trusted with small things and, and God will give you larger things. Mm. Have you seen that throughout your career? Would you say, are there moments or even yeah, the broad brushes that you say, actually I see God as entrusting me with more here or... I, yeah, I mean, I remember um, sort of way back when um, we did live in, in London and um, we were busy praying the prayer of Jabez, um, you know, Lord, enlarge my territory. Um, and Andrew was a primary school teacher and I was a sort of graduate trainee in, um, in the bank. Um, and we were praying this prayer and, you know, God has um, and he's enlarged our sphere of influence. Um, and... I suppose we've just tried to honour him at each of those steps along the way. And um, we tend to, you know, both of us tend to say yes to things. And now he's influencing at the top of government and I'm in boardrooms. And, um, you know, there aren't many Christians there. Um, and I'm sure that's where God wants us to be. Um, it's an interesting thing about that verse in Matthew 7, mm. uh, verse 7, 12, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because it is, in sense, there's a little word before that, which is so. So actually that passage um, is a summary, in a sense, of this whole Sermon on the Mount, you know, five through seven. So on the basis of all of these things, now, now do unto others. It's also rooted um, in the Father love of God, because the verses just before that are about, you know, would... If you ask your heavenly father for a fish, well, is he, are you going to get, or you give him, mm. give them a stone? If you ask them for no, bread and a stone and fish and a snake. And so there's something there, I think, about the imitation of the, you know, the trust in God's fatherly provision for you that, that roots that. It's not only it's a good moral thing to do that maybe other people would, from other religions would say, but it's actually rooted in the trust in God that you've already seen He's your father. He's got good things for you. He's, he's, he's worthy. Out of that, we imitate him and trust him that he's got good things for us too. Yeah, yeah. His generosity um, underpins it um, rather than a kind of pragmatism mm -hmm. in a sense because yeah. it can be pragmatic, can't yeah. it? Mm. Um, we're going to come back to lying, I think, because I don't think you'll let me uh, escape it. Um, for you, some of the challenges for you, as you, you know, in your first two years, what what are the challenges that you're facing um, in your work? Where does a rubber hit the road for you? Yeah, and I'd like that you spoke about the point of tr trusting God, because it's as a, an ambitious young person, I can almost think, God, why have you not blessed every every search I've worked on? Why am I not filling roles left, right, and centre? completely trust if God wanted to, he could, you know, direct my mouse clicks and I could be meshing the right people and they'd be interested in all the roles. And it didn't feel like that in my, kind of the first 18 months doing contingent recruitment where you're um, on and off the phone all the time. And it's, yeah, very high pace work. Thinking, God, I've, I've been working on this for six months. Why haven't I found the right person? And so 
trusting that God will, I mean, first of all, that's, un, that's, that's not normal. Not, no one does kind of fills every role that they work on anyway. Um, but trusting his provision over my career yeah. has been one of the biggest challenges. And, and this move that I made seven months ago to um, the business I'm at, at the moment has been brilliant. And I think God, what, what, so kind of you providing that for me. But it's trusting his day-to-day -day provision. That's really tricky when things aren't going as you would like them to be. Or um, you're thinking, God, where are you? But yeah, trying to submit that to him and um, ultimately it's 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 checking myself probably I've um, care about this a little bit too much if it's if it's plaguing my thoughts all the time and on, on the weekends and things um, but just having a healthy um, pursuit of God while trying to honor my employers and trust he will give me the right wins that I need and if I miss a promotion God I can still trust you if if my future lies in another firm if it lies here um yeah kind of not knee-jerk reacting to things but just trusting god's steady guidance i think that's probably the biggest challenge in recruitment because you get rejected often you'll be on the phone to people and they'll hang up without saying anything or often be quite rude um so i think yeah resilience and you know, tr trusting god with your career because it's a really in many ways, I don't know if hand to mouth is the right word to use, but you know if you're doing well, you know if you're doing badly. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you've talked about the external. Sorry, did you want to say something? No, I was going to say it is very quantifiable, isn't it? Yes. Um, I was thinking about um, two um, situations as a business we've been through. The first was the economic crisis of sort of 2008. And, oh my goodness, I can remember walking around fields with my dog at, you know, in the dark in the morning to walk her um, and singing that Lou Fellingham song. You know, I'm hard pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I feel pulled to pieces, but in truth, I know I'm not um, because he's with you. Um, and sometimes, I mean, the psalmist did that, didn't he? He raged at God, you know, why are you doing this to me? And I, I, I do that a lot. And then it's the same with COVID because, um, you know, all of a sudden you, um, no, you wouldn't, uh, but uh, you know, I remember when Back just heads. the phone stopped in, you know, in that March, uh, April, um, and there was no new work for three months and I've still got all of these wages to pay. Um, and so it's not the same, but it is, um, you know, filling a job, but my goodness and yeah, scary stuff. Leading a business, did you feel God speak to you during that period of letting people go and what the government scheme was the furloughing furloughing yeah 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 um i mean very very definitely i felt god's presence with me um i think sometimes we think um god speaks to us um i don't know i i i'm not sure he's always speaking in big voices but you know if you're sort of reading the bible and you're talking to christians and um you know a lot of christian music and stuff has got biblical uh, i i i think he speaks to me in those kind of ways um but but it's it comes back to sort of being true to you know what it is so i'm in all of those situations with my non-christian colleagues i'd be saying so how do we treat people here what do we do with our suppliers what do we do with our colleagues and and that sort of thing so um i suppose it's still it's just doing the same stuff in the same way um and trusting him can I ask you, um, 
I want to dive more into your challenges a little bit. So, I mean, you've talked to, talked to about the external thing and also, you know, the rejection and so on. And so mm -hmm. How about the sort of internal dynamics of uh, where you are? I mean, usually at this stage of you know, people's careers, there's quite a lot of competition going on. And how do you manage that and, um, you know, the internal dynamics? Yeah, it's, it's tricky at a, uh, at a recruitment firm, I think, because you're, what's called your, what do they call it? your internal, um, you've got to kind of market yourself internally. Your brand. Your brand, that's right, yeah. Uh, your I'll internal brand's brand. important. Your brand. <laughs> yeah, your internal brand's really important and often that's what kind of sentiment around different employees, even if it's not grounded in an awful lot, yeah, yeah. can dictate whether or not you get promoted. That's not always the case. Most good companies will have a kind of formal promotion process, etc., where there are tangibles that you've got to hit. But it really influences the time and your experience at a firm if people think you're great because you tell everyone about what you do and if they think you're rubbish because you're quite quiet and you don't tell anyone about the searches you've solved and who you've just spoken to and um, who you're working with. So as a, I mean, as culturally being a British person, you're quite slow to do that generally. I mean, there are people out there that, that are great at that. I was They go on the apprentice usually. Well, exactly, yeah, and, and think they're brilliant. Um, yeah. But also growing up in a, as a Christian, you told that all your hard work, lots of it should be unseen. Do it. Yeah, exactly. You do it for God, you do it in the yeah. quiet. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't come naturally to promote yeah. yourself and I'm working on this and I did this um, and I think I should get promoted because. So lots of that's kind of tricky to work through. Um, I think my conclusion is you've got to lean into it a little bit more, try and be less British. And I mean, certainly don't lie about what you're doing. That was another challenge often people will palm things off as their kind of original ideas in meetings and I remember a few months in I suggested something um to a colleague that I started off at a similar time he then said the same thing in a meeting and everyone went oh yeah brilliant idea and he palmed it off at his own and I thought that was my idea mm. uh, so you got so, up and punched him on the nose. Yeah, punched him on the nose, and that's why I left. <laughs> I think you're right, Josh. There is some leaning into that. And, um, you know, if we're going to, um, as Christians, we're going to be want to be in those places, then they need to know what you can do. Um, and it's, it's an, a balance, this sort of humility and truth-telling. Um, as an ad man, what... Well, the internal question, I mean, I, I actually also face exactly what you're talking about, mm. British in America, although I'm quite sure. temperamentally flamboyant, so that, that sort of fitted with New York style, but also that whole notion of managing your career. And I realised that I was actually being passive. You know, I was actually viewed the company as a dad. They're, they're going to look after me. After all, they always had. And I remember once, um, you know, I had this, um, I may say this on a podcast, I had this most amazing appraisal. And then a week later, four people at the same level of me got, got promoted and I didn't. Mm. You know, you're going to be a giant in the industry and why are you treating me like a dwarf? You know, what's going on here? Mm. It was really quite painful. And then I realised that I had, you know, they'd asked me, so what would you like? So I really, I really like doing these new products things. Whereas actually, if you, if you want to progress, if you win new business, that's good. But working on new products, that's good. 
but actually that that's not where the big money is you know somebody's got, mm. to, got to know that you can handle a big big a big account so i should be saying well i've really enjoyed this season but i think you know my next step should be perhaps to work on this kind of a account because and so on so i didn't i didn't manage it well um so i didn't express my i didn't express my desires when i had the opportunities to do that because uh, i didn't think oh they'll, they'll just look after me so i think i think we do need to go before god and say what well, god what what do you want me to do um you know what is my next stage i do trust you for it um and it sort of all worked out well in the end but i think i learned something about companies you do need to express what you want Josh, so th thanks for being so honest about that. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us you find particularly challenging in the in well, this role? Going back to, you mentioned truth-telling. Mm. So as a again, contingent recruiter, so you're, you're only making money when you fill roles. I had an incident where I was um, given two roles for a business and I didn't know anything about this business. Was basically told how to sell it as exciting, entrepreneurial, um, really positive, spin it in a really positive light, basically. And as the um, kind of process unfolded and a few candidates met the client, A, the client was an absolute weirdo and actually the person who gave me the role knew that. Mm -hmm. And what the business was doing was, it was legal, but really frowned upon in the investment industry. So you're, I think they're buying kind of investment trusts or big, um, platforms, breaking them up and selling them off. Something similar to that, that's, it's legal, but um, no one really likes it. It might be more complex than that. And if, for me, it get, then became quite challenging to sell the role as I was pressured to keep kind of selling it hard and give the positives. Um, but it, I certainly wouldn't have wanted no. the job. And again, no, no one actually took the job. And I think that was Right, but just wondering when, you, I guess you're leading a business of how many consultants, 15, 20 yeah. consultants? Yeah. I mean, how are you influencing culture around truth-telling? Is there, I guess, are there challenges running a big business where you've got probably kind of, yeah, 15 to 20 almost smaller businesses within that? Mm -hmm. How do you think about you know, the firm culture around truth-telling? Again, lots of your business is probably sold by yourself. You, I would imagine you are the brand for your business, just your own personality. Um, but how do you keep that coherent across yeah. the business? So I would say I'm not the brand anymore, thank goodness. Um, okay. That, you know, the partners, um, we've, we've got 10 partners, and so they would all um, be building their own franchise in some way within the firm. Um, I would really struggle with that, Josh, actually, if, if I was trying to tell, being asked to tell an untruth, and I always have. Um, and I suppose there comes a time when you have to say, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to, you know, I've got a problem with with um, not telling the truth. Um, and a, a little story, little story on that. I had, um, again, backing banking days when I had um, heard a PA of mine saying I, I was busy and I didn't I knew she knew I didn't want to be disturbed. And um, somebody had rung for me and she said, well, I'm afraid she's out of the office. And I just went to see her afterwards, just, you know, really quietly on her own. And I said, um, I said, you know, Cherry, I'm really grateful to you for covering for me there because you knew I didn't want to be disturbed, but I wasn't out of the office. And um, 
I have a big thing about telling the truth. And so we'll have to find a different way of saying that. Um, so it may be, um, she's really tied up at the moment. Um, can somebody else help you? Um, yeah. Or she, you know, she's, she's engaged at the moment. Which, you know, tell the truth, um, but um, don't tell lies. And so, and I think that, that thing about, you know, trying to, somebody may well want to work with that weirdo in that strange company um but you've got to paint it as it is um to find the the weirdo who probably wants to work with the weirdo um and that's how, that's how i've always um you know been and and to be honest that's that would be consistent with all my colleagues um i i would say they would all feel the same and there will be some clients we will not work with um because they're not mm. you know they don't treat people well and um so we'll just sort of say actually that i'm not sure this is one we're going to be best placed to support you on and are there conflicts internally in that with some of your consultants saying no i want to work on this business and you're saying actually no we're, we're not going to do that um we'll, we'll always talk about it as a group um but we we do keep um we'll keep going back to some of our core values so we've had it really recently um where there's a a brand that you will have all heard of and they were doing some stuff that none of us in the business liked but the reason they'd come to us is because we're really well known for diversity and being able to find particularly women and people of different ethnicities um, and they wanted to change the business and bring in more diversity so they'd come to us because they knew they were bad and they wanted to change but we just discussed it and sort of thought do we take this one do we not take this one are we trying to make them better and therefore it's worth doing or is it so bad that um you know it has to be someone else and um that's interesting i think this question um in lots of industries though applies this question of can you help people find the new language i suspect that your pa or your executive assistant wasn't thinking i'm really really lying here no. she's but there's instinct isn't it i had a friend who's a, an estate agent yes it's true and um he was a great guy and not a, not a Christian man. And he went to a, a time management course one day and um, he came back and extraordinary time management course, came back and told his whole team, um, we're going we're gonna to have to tell, tell, tell the truth all the time now. And his partners looked at him and said, we'll never sell another house. And so they, they, they sort of called up their partners and they sat down in the office you know, for however long it took and they worked out how they could keep the business moving and tell the truth. Now, that was the key thing, because you've got to keep the business moving. You've been hired to sell a house. So, for example, they, true story. So you, you might be showing a couple of two-bedroom flat in Harrow, and you'd be saying, um, yes, this is, this, is, this is good property, which, which it is. And um, I would advise an early offer, because we've got three other couples coming to see it this afternoon. There are not three other couples coming to see it this afternoon. But actually, that's what they would say. So that, what did they say? They would say, oh, well, this is this is a good property, and I must tell you that two bedroom apartments in or flats in Harrow tend to go quite quickly. True. So if you're interested, I would advise you to make an early offer. Mm -hmm. So they actually worked through every single instance where they were tempted to lie. An extraordinary thing in the business, which is not particularly well, it's, it's marvelous, was that the <laughs> the employee said, you know, this works at home as well. <laughs> telling, the truth. <laughs> telling the truth yeah. helps uh, you've mentioned diversity mm. um, so Josh you know Joel's actually received our MBE for services to business specifically for diversity and inclusion as you look at um, 
your industry overall, um, what, what do you see in terms of diversity and inclusion? You've well, congratulations, first of all. Well, thank very you very much. The, I think every recruitment business, probably not every, but most recruitment businesses want to brand themselves as leaders in diversity and inclusion because it is, for the right reasons, the, the trendy topic at the moment. Um, so every recruiter wants to be the go-to for diversity hiring. Everyone's going to say, you know, we know all the best diverse candidates, which kind of may or may not be true. I mean, there's a few... There's a, I think there's a few interesting things to talk about with D&I hiring, but probably generally recruitment firms are behind in themselves in terms of what they preach. I think it's coming more, um, becoming less so, but they're thinking about it for clients, probably less so about themselves. My observation actually at the junior end, and certainly at the research end, that um, it's pretty diverse. I think our our business would probably be more female mm. um, dominated, actually, than um, the male at the junior end. But um, lots of consultants, people winning work, are probably males, partly because they've not taken maternity leave and, and taken years out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think most firms want to be the leader in it. Not everyone is brilliant about thinking about it for themselves. Yeah. Would be my and a brief observation. Yeah, this is a very good thing, but we're finding it difficult to action mm. ourselves. Mm. Yes. I mean, the, the other interesting one just, or point just to comment on is that on previous business particularly, we would often get um, businesses saying, we only want to see diverse people or we only want to see kind of females. And just the... It is a funny one because you've got lots of males, particularly in accounting and um, investment banking, who are very qualified for these roles, but diversity-wise, they don't fit the quota, so won't get an interview and probably won't get hired. <coughs> and completely observationally, probably there are a lot less qualified females in these jobs because most of the females in investment banking will get hired into private equity if they want to. Not all of the qualified males will as well because females are fitting diversity quotas. So I think it's a really tricky one to advise on and would be interested to hear your thoughts when you are balancing those two because everyone wants to hire the best person, everyone wants to hire a dive or have at least some diverse hiring. They don't always stack up when everyone wants to hire the diverse person. And there are limited pools of these people often, particularly if you're thinking about professional services. I don't know for one reason or another, but there's some tricky things to navigate, I think. So there are some red rags to this <laughs> little ball here. <laughs> but um, so I suppose the, the whole thing about it, you know, um, poor white men, um, still more poor white men are being hired to roles than women or people um, of colour. And um, what we're trying to do is to address um, an imbalance and um, a lack of progression. So if you just look at gender, more than half the graduates are women coming through, and yet less than 10% of the CEOs are women. And what's going on there um, 
So there's some cultural things that we've we've got to address. And then, you know, in our country, um, in the last census, 18% um, of people are non-white. Um, and, you know, we've that's no way reflected um, in, in the boardrooms, which is where we're predominantly operating. Um, and so there's, there's a sort of, well, that's an economic waste um, of talent. Um, there's a justice thing around, you know, people actually being treated fairly um, and actually believing which I so do that um, diversity is better for churches and business and um, society um, and so when I'm talking to my clients what I'm talking about is um, introducing diversity as one of the criteria and so, yes, OK, you might have um, a man and a woman who are here or, um, you know, a black or Asian person and a white person who are roughly similar. But actually, if they're bringing you diversity, then you must hire them because they're adding something more to your team that you haven't got. Hmm. Um, and um, and what we're, what we're encouraging people to do is actually make an extra hire. Um, so, um, you know, on some boards, we've been helping them to put an extra board member who's a person of colour on the board um, mm. so that they can see the benefits that, you know, having someone from an Asian background or someone from a black background can, can make it um, to, to the, the commercial success of that business, to the discussion that goes around. And it isn't comfortable. And I think that's why people sort of stand back from it so um you know i've i've talked to chairs who say oh since you put all those women on my board you know the boards just they, they sort of don't come to agreement quickly enough no because you're getting different views being expressed and um so yeah i do get a little passionate about it sorry yeah well you don't have to apologize for that at all i mean for, for lots of small organizations um you know this is a really big challenge isn't it because i mean you remember once that LICC, you've got 20 people. Yeah. There's one moment when actually we look quite racially diverse. One person leaves and suddenly we're not racially diverse or, you know, and, and it's quite difficult for small companies. Is, is there something that you... Well, Warren Partners is 30 people. Yeah. So, you know, it's exactly the same. And we've been working really hard to make sure we fit at, more, at least 50-50. Well, you can't be at least 50-50, Kenny, but we're, we're gender balanced. Mm. And we've got that 18% of, um, of ethnically diverse. And, and if we've had, we have exactly... So I have to say, we then go purposefully out to recruit somebody. But what we do is we try to think, what roles are there more women in yeah. and what roles are you more likely to find um, ethnically diverse talent in? So you tend to find quite a lot of women in um, HR, in marketing, in legal. So those roles could be, yeah. you know, look first for a, for a woman and um, and and do the same with ethnicity. And I suppose that's an ad for executive search companies, isn't it? Well, it is. Because you put an ad in the paper, you get who you get. But if you really, really want you really want a woman or you really want a black person or an Asian person yeah. or somebody with some form of disability. Yeah, exactly. Use executive search. Yeah. Other yeah. firms are available. Yeah. Um, John, I'm sorry, Josh, John. Um, you're the only Christian in, in your firm, I think you might have told me, or the, the, the only one you know? Or as far as I'm aware, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, how does that feel? Tough. That's... The culture... Certainly in my generation is pretty much is anything goes. So right. it goes both ways. And even if, if you're a Christian, fine. Yeah. Um, and actually the culture amongst, I think generally 
amongst young people in work. I might be wrong. This is just for the businesses I've worked with. There's a lot less drinking. Mm. So yeah. drinking is a really, I think historically was really hard, particularly in recruitment firms or professional services, because that's how you get ahead is go drinking with the, the senior people, make them like you, and then you'll move on. And actually, even with clients, even my um, one of the consultants I worked with yesterday encouraged us as um, the research team, you should basically get drunk with your um, with your candidates more because it builds rapport. And I think he's probably absolutely right, it does. But that's, that's not something that I'm gonna do. And am I gonna be behind in my career because of that? Maybe. So I, th I think probably the, tr the trickiest one is around, is, yeah, it's probably around drinking. Right. But but that is that has changed a little bit internally. Most people now want to go off and do their yoga in the evenings. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. yeah. No, very good. So, but it is. Yeah. So, uh, without putting too fine a point, a long haul, long haul Christian in a tough business. How have you stayed faithful? I think there are some disciplines, probably. Um, so there are daily disciplines around quiet times and um, what have you. Um, there's weekly ones around church and um, home groups. And um, uh, we, we also um, do annual, we, do, we go on walking, we Camino, um, big Camino walkers. Um, mm. And that's become quite a thin place for, for me, right. a place when I can feel close to God. And I think in the past it's been, you know, your spring harvest, your new wines, whatever it has. But um, Camino's become very special yeah. retreat. Um, me so I, I yes i suppose it's it's having some of those disciplines in there and then you know i have uh, i have a great a husband who walks the journey with me i've got um you know wonderful christian friends um and um you know all of the licc material <laughs> of course of course indeed yes. yeah josh um what advice would you give somebody uh starting out in work today My first first bit of advice in recruitment it would be to work hard and honour your boss and honour God in your work. Oh yeah, and I think really be as um, I think in, rec in recruitment spe specifically or more broadly, whichever you prefer. That's not helpful mm -hmm. right now, is it? Mm -hmm. Well, I think in, in recruitment, if you're going to be successful and do it long term, you really need to quite quickly um, kind of figure out with God almost how you're going to do it and figure out yourself how you're going to do it. Because it's a hard place to be. Mm. There are, well, there's a lot of money flying around and at the back of your mind is always, well, if I stick at this, I could, I could make it big time. And so quickly reconciling that with your faith and with God and um, kind of walking the challenges with him each day. I think what I'm trying to say is, is make sure you're, you are pursuing God each day and, and putting him first. And even if it doesn't, that can be hard in your heart because again, being motivated and actually having or earning a lot of money is quite attractive to a young male like myself. Yeah. It's what do I, what do I want my life to be about? I want to honor God in my career. I want to put him first. If the money comes, then brilliant, I'll be generous with it. If not, 
you know, I'm happy as is. So, uh, yeah, spending time with God each day and, and listening to him, speaking to him. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Joel, any particular Bible verses or characters that are significant to you as you've walked this walk? Um, characters, probably Daniel, Esther, that some of those Old Testament um, people who were um, thrust into um, courts of the king yeah. um, and were standing firm for God. Yeah. Um, I remember you and I having a, a coffee at Costa a few years ago. We do go to the most splendid we places, do. don't we? we? Do. And um, <laughs> you said to me, so this isn't a Bible first, right. a Mark Reed first. Oh, it's <laughs> almost as authoritative. Said, no, Joel, you reach the parts that other Christians don't reach. Oh, a stolen line from Heimann. <laughs> but, you know, I suppose that's, that's yeah. Josh, what I'd be saying to you is, you know, you're reaching the parts that your vicar can't go to, yeah. uh, your parents can't go to. Um, he's put you there. And, um, you know, that whole thing about it might be a dark industry, but the light shines in the darkness and the darkness won't overcome it. Amen. How about you, Josh? Any, any particular people or any particular verses or is it just the whole Bible? And everybody in it. No, well, I, yeah, I, I mentioned to you previously. I partly because it was written in all of my cards when I got baptized was the uh, verse in Joshua. It just says, "Joshua, be strong and courageous." Yeah. I think part of that is living differently, and be courageous where you are. Just for this period, however long that is, God's got me in this mm. business, and and I live differently for Him. If He calls you out of it, be courageous in doing that. God will give me the strength that I need to um, honour him each day if I and I choose to lean into that. So, yeah, I really like that. Be strong and courageous. Yeah, it's a brilliant verse, actually. Well, there's three of them which says, be strong and courageous. And yeah. verse seven says, be strong and very courageous. And in the English, there's a full stop. I don't know if you know the English, a full stop. And in the Hebrew, there isn't a full stop. And what follows it is, be careful to do all the law that, the, that mm. my servant Moses has given you. And what it's actually saying in the Hebrew is be strong and very courageous to do all the law, to be careful to do all the law. And I think I found that so helpful because actually it takes courage. It's not just strong and courageous to take on the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites and so on. It's being strong, courageous to be careful to do God's, to obey God's law. And mm. I think in some of the context that you describe, that's actually quite difficult. Mm. So you need it just for that day by day. I've Never mind the big battles, if you like. Yeah, I've also found that letting people know that I'm a Christian means that they hold me accountable. So, you know, if you sort of put it out there, you're a Christian. Well, you can't then go and get drunk, can you? Um, because you know that's not that's going to discredit the gospel, and um, they'll sort of they would be the first to say if you told a porcupine. Um, so, yeah, put it out there. Put it out there. Well, thank you very much, both of you, indeed. Um, in a moment, I'm going to give you some splendid gifts. Uh, but before that, in order to earn your way to these gifts, I'm going to do a quiz, a little nine-question quiz. Yes, all right. Well, I, um, who wants to go first? Doesn't matter, I'm going to choose you. <laughs> so here you go. Josh, sweet or sour? Oh. Uh, sour. 
Salmon or steak? Steak. Gospel of Mark or Gospel of John? I wish I knew them well enough to differentiate between them. Though. Well, choose one for the sake. Okay. Mark, very good. Man of action. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Deborah or Ruth? Ruth. Rugby union or football? Football. Films or novels? Films. Jazz or rock? Jazz. One book you've really enjoyed this year doesn't have to be a Christian book. June. June? Yeah. Is that by? I don't know. It's the film. Ah, right. Uh, okay. It's the book on the film. Oh, Dune. Sorry, Dune. I thought you said June. No, Dune. Uh, May, yes. I don't know. Yes. Um, and one thing you really like about Jesus? That he likes me. Ah, very <laughs> good. <laughs> he likes me too, you know. <laughs> if only we really, really, really could get that in there. No, no, no. Uh, so, Joelle, uh, sweet or sour? Uh, sweet. Salmon or steak? Salmon. Gosh, you're really not incompatible for lunch, are you? Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Ruth. Mark. Sorry, John. Yeah, Mark. Mark. Deborah or Ruth? Rugby union or football? Football, probably. Films or novels? Novels. Jazz or rock? Jazz. One book you've really enjoyed this year? I, I, I read on Kindle and can't remember the titles of most books, apart right. from I did get Born Free by Catherine Hill, which I've really enjoyed. Right, yeah. One thing you really like about Jesus? He loves me. Mm. Amen. Amen to that. Well, your rewards are coming your way. Um, because it's the... Because it's the Thank God It's Monday, you get oh. the latest edition of Thank God It's Monday. Thank you. The fifth edition, clean and pristine, and I haven't written in it, so it's still moderately valuable. <laughs> um, and you're going to get a box of these. Box of these. Wow. Um, Sweet. Sweet <laughs> chocolate, because it's LICC. You always get chocolate LICC. Okay. And these little red orbs of sweetness are there to remind us, like the red dots in the LICC logo, that it is a sweet thing to be called to represent Jesus mm. in his world. So to stop you open the box right now, there's one for you and one for you. Thank you. Thank you again very much indeed for your honesty, clarity and uh, joy in God. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given us today. Um, if you're interested in following up more about work, then there is always the LICC website to scuttle along to where there's a whole range of films, um, links, books, resources, prayer journeys, and so on. So that's www.licc.org.uk. And uh, wherever you are this day, uh, remember that you are loved. You are liked by the King of the Universe, the one who sent his son for you. And that because of his great fatherly love, he will, I pray, enable you to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. May he give you the strength and the courage, the boldness to be careful, to follow him, your gracious saviour, in all you do this day and in the coming week. Thanks for listening. Shalom, shalom.